Welcome to The Way It Is. This is your host, Luca Andolfato, broker with Remax Service First Realty here in Kingston. Welcome to my podcast. And this isn't just going to be another dry, overdone real estate podcast. This is a place where I hope we all learn something, where we can exchange ideas, opinions, and help broaden our knowledge, perspective, and insight into our community, our city, and the world around us. Hey again, everyone. Luca here with another installment of The Way It Is. Um, this one's going to be a bit of a, a serious one, and uh, and it's going to be with a uh, with a heavy heart. Um, I unfortunately, my mother passed away uh, on December thirty first of twenty twenty. Um, she had failing health, and uh, so it certainly wasn't COVID related. Um, Fortunately, I was able to be there uh, with her the week that she passed with my sister, uh, caring for her, uh, along with um, those that uh, are professional at it as well. Um, so after she passed, uh, my son, now just two sisters and myself are left. Um, I was tasked with, uh, with writing and uh, delivering her eulogy at her service that happened uh, uh, just in the first week of January. So I'm going to actually read it to you here, Um, and more so because I really want um, people to uh, understand uh, why um, maybe I am who I am. I mean, I did give, uh, I had a if you remember the podcast there where it, where it all began and told you give you some glimpses into my childhood but when you hear the story of this woman um, Roseanne Delfato, um I want everybody to know uh, w- what people go through uh, and maybe that'll help everyone put things into perspective in terms of what their own situations are and what they're facing and what they're dealing with so with that being said I'm just going to go ahead and start this. So when I was faced with the task of trying to encapsulate a life of 89 years and eulogize my mother's extraordinary journey, it became a daunting task, to say the least. Uh, My mother's life and who she became was born out of hardship and struggle. And as sober... As somber and sobering as that may seem, it formed and shaped a woman who would persevere, overcome, and overachieve. In speaking with my sisters about her life, uh, because we all had differing memories and accounts of our mother, and truth be told, my memories aren't as accurate or vivid as some of theirs when it came to our mom's early beginnings in Italy and in Canada, they were quick to point out that uh, for them, uh, Rosa was two women not only a mother, but also an equally important, a woman. A woman who was born into a global depression and then spent her formative years witnessing and living through a world war. An adjective that my sister Rosemary used for her um, after she passed, which stuck with me and still sticks with me, was indomitable. Knowing the word and its general meaning, but not quite sure of its sort of exact Webster's definition, I of course googled it and was struck to find this. Indomitable. Impossible to subdue or defeat. It went on to use it in a partial sentence. A woman of indomitable spirit. Well, I can tell you this is not only the perfect characterization and description of uh, our mother and Rosa Andalfato, 
She was also the physical embodiment of the word. Sonia added in her comments uh, to me that our mother's story was one of resilience and adaptation. Seemingly at every turn in her life, when there was adversity and hardship, she overcame and adapted. As an infant in Italy, less than a year old, she lost her father. She was raised, for the most part, by her older sister. She was only able to attend school up until grade five. And uh, I, to our best knowledge, uh, at least that was grade five. Uh, now, part of this education curriculum was also learning how to sew and make clothes, a skill she employed frequently in her later years, and I'm sure to the chagrin of my sisters, who were the recipients of these literal handmade items. So at the age of 24, she immigrated to Canada. She departed from Naples on May 7th, 1955, aboard the ship, the Queen Frederica. Traveling by herself, without knowing anyone or speaking English, she had one cardboard suitcase and approximately $30 in her pocket. She arrived in Halifax on May 15th, 1955. I've said this often to my friends and over the years and others, I am very doubtful if any of us today would have the fortitude to embark on a journey like that. I'm not entirely sure how she met our father and what the circumstances surrounding it were. I can say, after having the good fortune of recounting old stories with their best man, uh, with the best man at their wedding the, the, this past week, um, there were numerous Italian immigrants in Kingston that were able to live, work, and congregate together, and uh, I'm sure this provided uh, the opportunity for them to meet. She married my father on November 16, 1957. When they married, they lived in an apartment on Princess Street. With my two sisters uh, now a going concern at seven and five years old and the birth of twin boys, life became busier and certainly more challenging. And let's remember, this was 1966 and 1967. There were no automatic washing machines, no diaper service, no disposable diapers. All the diapers were hand-washed. Similarly, the bottles prepared, sterilized, cooking, cleaning, etc. And yet, as overwhelming as this may seem, our mother and father were able to somehow earn and save enough money to buy the house we grew up in on Victoria Street. That happened sometime between 1967 and 1969. My mother was the CEO of the family and ran the entire household, especially the finances. In short order, she started working at Queen's University in housekeeping at the woman's residence, Victoria Hall. To say this was radical is an understatement, so much so that our father, according to my sister, did not speak to her for a week when she started working there. She loved the job at Queen's, gave her independence, the ability to interact with all the young students in the residence and on her floor, but also, practically speaking, the job was from 8 a.m. till noon, and this offered her the flexibility to still be a mom and be able to get home to get us all lunch while the four of us were at school. At Victoria Hall, she not only became these girls' surrogate mother in many cases, but in some, their nonna as well, which nonna in Italian is grandmother. Without fail, at the end of every school year, she would be showered with small gifts and tokens of affection and appreciation by the girls on her floor, who cherished her spirit, her wisdom, and her friendship. This personality trait of my mother carried on with her wherever she was and whatever she did. She had an innate ability to draw you in, to garner your friendship, your trust, and your loyalty. This was not more evident than at the Evergreen Retirement Residence where she lived out the remaining years of her life. 
I remember from previous visits, but especially the week I was able to be there before her passing. From the PSWs to the nurses to the cleaning staff and others, there was a constant parade of people that would simply come up and visit with my mom for her companionship, her stories, her sage advice, and of course her candies. Prior to her passing and with word of her failing health, many came up to simply see her, to pray for her, and wish her well. All were visibly shaken and devastated at the news of her passing. To a person, they all commented on her strength and strength of character. And because one job and four kids weren't enough, mom also started working at the Catholic school board as a second job. You see, our dad at this time and for many years previous had given up the hard labor of construction and had opened his own shoe repair shop on Princess Street in Kingston. I cannot tell you if he made any money or added or not. My sisters may know better. But I can only imagine it made enough to pay the bills. And I can also only assume that at this time, when Mom started working at the school board as a custodian, we needed the extra money. Joe and I, my brother, I think we were in grade four and five when she started this job. And she managed to get the custodian position at our elementary school. Not sure if mom liked it or not. Again, she befriended virtually all the teaching staff and some of the parents, as she always did. They would chat with her in the classrooms and hallways after school, constantly reminding me and my brother what a wonderful woman she was and how we were blessed and lucky to have her. Everyone gravitated to her, all of our friends included. Joe and I selfishly hated that job, the main reason being we had to alternate weeks staying after school helping my mom clean the place after we just spent all day there. Our dad died in 1984, seemingly without warning. My mother was only 52, all of us still at home, Joe and I only 18. You would think this would have crippled anyone and that it would would have left our family in turmoil, disarray, and despair. But Rosa, with her aforementioned indomitable spirit, couldn't and wouldn't let that happen. She soldiered on and continued to work and maintain us and the household. One of the moments I am most impressed with and proud of our mother for, not only at that time, but during her life and that I reflect on now, was that rather than becoming the traditional mourning, grieving widow shrouded in black, as several of her Italian women friends had been and were doing, she not only out of necessity, but out of an unwillingness to be pitied, to not be reliant upon others and sheer determination, went out and learned to drive and got her driver's license at the age of 56. And she didn't, she just didn't use this to simply navigate her neighborhood and go to the grocery store and back. No, no. Mom drove everywhere, most impressively and rather incredulously. Looking back, she drove several times to the U.S. to visit my sister and brother-in-law in Pennsylvania and elsewhere. The years went on in our new normal. Mom finally retired from the school board in Queens and moved to Brampton. This geographically made sense with my one sister Sonia there, me in Kingston, my brother Joe at the time in Ottawa and Rosemary in the U.S. It was the logical place to go. It allowed her to reconnect with her family in Toronto, her sister, her cousins, and yet she still maintained connections in Kingston, a circle of friends who she stayed in contact with. I know from Sonia's recounting that when she first got there, she lived temporarily with uh, her and her husband, Bob. Yeah, I've got two brother-in-laws, both named Bob. (laughs) Crazy. However, she was a taskmaster and drove Bob and his brother, Mike, crazy to complete renos on her new townhouse she had purchased, and she wanted to be independent and did not want to live with them or be a burden to them. Once again, Mom adapted to her new world and environment. 
She made friends in her new neighborhood, and her immediate neighbors would come and share stories of their trials and tribulations and family problems. I guess one could say that over her life, Mom was the female Italian version of Dr. Phil. At 84, Mom was diagnosed with a heart condition which started to slow her down, and she knew she would not be able to maintain her house on her own. She made the decision to sell and to move to a retirement home, Evergreen Retirement Residence I mentioned earlier. And there she's thrived again. As previously mentioned, she made more friends and connections. Now, apart from this chronological recounting of my mother's life, I want to take a few moments uh, at the risk of this going along about some of the memories and reflections of this life. To say my mother was the cornerstone of our family is a gross understatement, and it would be a disservice to her and her memory. She not only was the cornerstone, she was literally the rock of Gibraltar. She did it all. I know that even with all she endured as a woman and all she accomplished as one, she was still a mother. I have a fond memory uh, of Saturday evenings when Dad was watching Hockey Night in Canada, of curling up beside my mom on the couch while she knitted the next sweater to give to someone. Our love of food and cooking we learned from her by watching her in the kitchen, for me, was mostly by osmosis, I think. But in fact, my sister Sonia still processes and bottles the tomatoes every year, following the steps and, and uh, protocols taught to her by my mom. Her baking was legendary, and not in the pastry chef sort of way, but she had her go-tos, her famous S cookies, that now even my daughter, Michaela, can make and gluten-free, no less. Uh, and I'm sure my mother would be very proud. Her panettone was amazing, one of my favorites. Her cooking was not scripted or documented in any recipe book. She was a classic pinch of this and a bit of that. Another of her many popular dishes was her breaded veal cutlets, which both family members and friends alike always enjoyed. One of the best compliments she could have ever received was a message from a long-time dear friend of mine that we grew up with uh, when he had heard of her passing, telling me that to this day he still tries to make them, never replicating, as he put it, the authentic Italian flavor, but cherishing the fond memories just the same. You know, for all that I have just told you, Another thing that stays with me is that, as children, we were never hungry, and we always ate very well. I remember the dreaded weekly grocery trips to Loblaws, on Friday night, no less. Can you imagine? The highlight of your Friday night as a kid was going to Loblaws with your mom. For a while, it was just me and my mother at Victoria Street. I wanted to believe this, was, this time was good for her, as it was for me. We kept each other company, her more for me than me for her. And I dare say I caused her some gray hairs during that time, and I am pretty sure she wore out a few rosaries in my name. My alarm clock was always the smell of espresso wafting up to my bedroom every morning when Mom would get up and make it. And she had a sense of humor as well, a bit sadistic and twisted, I think, not in a malicious or spiteful way, but in a more cunning one. A story comes to mind that I'm going to risk telling you here at the expense and uh, embarrassment of those involved. Um, my brother and I had just started dating our respective girlfriends, me, Holly, and Joe Carla. We had them over for dinner. My mother decided to make one of my dad's favorite meals, rabbit with polenta. Now, those of you that know our family also know that our garage was Old McDonald's Farm, and I think I mentioned that in my other episode. We raised the rabbits, chickens, ducks, pigeons, canaries, and so on. So my mom prepares the meal, now, I can also tell you that in all the time we normally ate this meal, 
the rabbit had always been served in pieces. So I'm not sure what message my mom was trying to send, but when she brought that rabbit out to the table, it was whole and had this head still on it. Now, for those of you that can't picture what that might look like, it looked like a dead cat. Almost immediately, Carla excused herself to use the bathroom. <laughs> Mom also had what I will refer to now as, uh, she had some, I call them noniisms, these Italian proverbial nuggets of wisdom that she would drop when appropriate or the situation called for it. Some cannot be mentioned here as their vulgarity and graphicness would not be suitable. Plus, truthfully, a lot of them don't really translate well. I have a favorite one, so if you want to know it, you can reach out to me <laughs> and ask me. Here's a couple. Fa bene e scorda, fa male e pensate. Loosely translated meaning, if you do good deeds, you forget about them. If you do ill ones, they haunt you. E più facile fare il pane quando hai il lievito. It's easier to make bread when you have yeast. Tra marito e moglie non può mettere un filo. Between husband and wife, you should not be able to fit even a thread. Rosa lived for and was devoted to her children and eventually her grandchildren. The goal and priority was always to do for them, regardless of the circumstances. One of her greatest sources of joy and pride came from knowing that all four of her children are university graduates. And although she was always very humble and certainly not boastful, I know this fact was a bragging point for her amongst the women of the Italian community. As a mother, she always did the best she could with what she knew and what she had to work with. She was undeniably ahead of her time. Her upbringing didn't offer her much in the way of parenting. However, she always instinctively knew what the best course of action was. Education was a critical piece for her. Spirited by her limited education, she always felt it was important for anyone to have and obtain and not to waste. As uh, when my sisters and I were thinking of donations um, for people to give to, we chose two of them. One my niece picked in, in Brampton um, called Hervolution, which helps young women uh, into a STEM program. And here in Kingston, we picked Pathways because we know that I know that's a great organization that helps uh, underprivileged children try to obtain an education. I'm borrowing a very apt characterization uh, of her from my sister Rosemary, who said, although she was physically fragile, she had a spine of steel and did things her way. In the end, she also had undoubtedly one of the strongest hearts on the planet, as even her physicians were amazed that she outlived her condition by several years. She was also not a woman that you would want to cross. Joe and I experienced firsthand her wrath if you lied to her or did something that hurt her. The stories of broken wooden spoons, thrown shoes and slippers or whatever was in arm's reach are very real. She was exceptionally steadfast in her values, her morality, her devotion and her commitment to doing the right thing. Her compass never wavered and provided guidance for not only us as children, but the countless others that welcomed her into their lives. Regrettably, she had to live through the passing of our, my brother and our brother Joe in 2018. This affected her deeply and profoundly, as she was now unable to see him at any time during his illness or even attend his funeral due to her failing health condition. With every hardship, setback, and difficulty she encountered and endured, and at each transition in her life, she was focused, 
remained pragmatic, and not only faced the change, but embraced it. She not only pushed through to the other side of it, invariably she turned each episode into a benefit and a victory. So as you can see, this life of Rosa Endelfado, my mother, is not one that I feel needs to be mourned. I believe it needs to be celebrated and indeed even emulated. I know, as do my sisters, that she would not want us to be mournful for her, and she would not want us to waste time grieving. Instead, she would be adamant that we continue on and persevere as she had. Thank you very much for indulging me in this. We'll talk to you again. So again, I'm Luca. I uh, hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Feel free to reach out anytime you want. Uh, 613-541-9220 or luca at lucafirst.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.